Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I'm super excited for today's show uh, because I'm interviewing Joe Shaw. And no, I'm not speaking in the third person. I'm speaking about this incredible visual artist based out of Newcastle upon Tyne named Joe Shaw. Let me tell you a little bit about him. His immersive installations tackle the forced obsolescence, easy for me to say, of technology post-2000, bring to light issues of trustworthiness and distrust of objects and individuals, and question notions of causation and effect or actions and their reactions with a permeating dark humor. Shaw's work has been shown in exhibitions both in the UK and internationally, and he is one of the founding members of the Roundabout Collective based in Munich, Germany. Shaw graduated from Newcastle University in 2015 and has since become a member of Newbridge Studios. So that's a little bit about uh, my namesake, or, well, he's not really my namesake, but we both share the name Joe Shaw, and I'm super excited to talk to him today. And uh, it's going to be a really great conversation because we're going to get into uh, art and having the same name and just what his work has meant, both uh regionally as well as internationally and we're going to get into a little bit of british and american discussion so i think it's going to be a really great conversation you're definitely going to enjoy it i do want to go ahead and take a moment to let you know about today's sponsor of the podcast which is snuffy so for those of you who are not familiar with snuffy let me give you a little bit about him about the company so snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence 10 percent of profit goes to lgbtq plus organizations led by trans people of color shop online now at snuffy.co that's snuffy s-n-u-f-f-y dot c-o and the owner of snuffy is nick silvestri who designed the detox podcast logos both the regular one and the pride month one so if you like his work and you like what the logos are and you're really excited to help support more of that great work head on down to snuffy.co and go ahead and support nick silvestri so i'll be right back with my conversation with joe after this Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Joe Shaw. And no, I'm not speaking in the third person. I am actually speaking about my guest today. Joe, how are you doing? I'm really good, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy no, I'm to really, be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to to talk to you. I was, t- I was talking to you before we even started recording that. I think, mm. I don't know if other folks are like this, but I, I tend to go down the odd rabbit trail every now and then to see mm. uh, who who else shares the same name as me and what do they do and what are they up to and how are they contributing to the world? Because I like, I have this, I have this thought and I think it's, you know, the artist in me because growing up doing theater and now doing a different art form, like I like to call it podcasting. um, I'm always wanting to think about my legacy and then the legacy of like the name. Is there something that we collectively are doing to make the world a better place or Mm. say something about the world as a commentary? And just getting to see some of your pieces of art 
on your Instagram and then also on your website yeah. and kind of digging down through there. I'm, I'm excited because I feel like you've got a lot of interesting things to say. Um, but without further ado, I'd love for you to kind of go through, give us a little bit of a uh, quick background. Oh, before we even do that, I totally forgot that when I have parents on the show, I like to start out by asking, what do you think makes a good dad? Um, well, <laughs> um, I mean, so I'm, I'm sort of torn between, so I have to work a lot, you know, to support right. us as a family, but I think it's really important to not just work. I, I have sort of two sources of revenue and one is much more, um, I make much more money from installing exhibitions for other sure. people, fabricating other artists' work, you know, like artists who <laughs> make a lot of money. And then I right. have my work, you know, but I, I try to focus more on my work side of things because I think it's important for Casper, who's my son, to see someone who's actually, you know, enjoying their life and making things they want to, you know, like, like you can look up to me as a role model um, right. rather than just someone who goes out and comes home with money, basically. Right. You know what I mean, <laughs> so I, th I, think, I think providing an example for him um as someone who does the thing that makes them happy you know that makes them fulfilled feel like right. they're sort of changing the world into a better place but um yeah yeah maybe that that kind of thing yeah i like that um, i like that and for and for those who uh may be wondering uh where you're from so you are not from the united states of america you are no, from no, I'm not. across I'm not the pond so to speak that. yeah 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 <laughs> Um, I was born in I was born in Sherwood Forest. Oh, nice! Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is what most people uh, most people from abroad, not from England, it's all you have to tell them, and they know where you mean. Right. They might not be able to point to it on a map, but um, right. <laughs> it's right in the centre of England, so it's very, very middle England. Very yeah. You know. And you're you're in Newcastle, right? Or Newcastle upon Tyne? Am I pronouncing mm -hmm. that correctly? That's it. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the northeast. Um, I moved here for university in 2011 and um, yeah, I never left. Um, it's, <laughs> kind of, it's a really cool place. It's, a, it's, it's quite a tight knit kind of artistic community. Um, everybody kind of knows each other. It's not a huge place. It's next industrial town. So there's a bit more, there's kind of quite a more authentic kind of honest place than like the, the larger, more cosmopolitan places. And especially as an artist, I prefer that. Um, I prefer to work, you know, alongside people who you go to London or maybe even Edinburgh in Scotland, which is the capital of Scotland, and you find art, you know, people have more money than sense and sure, difficult to, you know, it's difficult to find yourself a, a place in that kind of environment because um, it's, I for one, am completely foreign to it. You, you know, I'm, I, I think you need to have been um born with a silver spoon in your mouth to be able to work in that environment to function yeah. you know among, among those yeah. people so places like newcastle and, and smaller more in, more in manchester is one uh, liverpool is another you know these kind of ex-industrial towns um yeah. where art has kind of is used in a much more kind of positive way than yeah than like a commercial venture or um yeah that kind of thing it's, it's, it's good here. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. And, you know, I think there's a lot to that. I know it's specifically, um, so I studied overseas in London um, for, for school um, in 2008, went to the University of Westminster. And 
I took a theater class because my major was in theater and I wanted some credits to transfer. But one of the prerequisites was to go see a bunch of different shows. And the uh, professor was very good about, you know, we saw like a show or two on the West End, but a lot of it was more on the fringes of yeah, London. Yeah, yeah. yeah and there was exactly. This, yeah. And I remember, you know, we went and saw something at the, um, oh, what is it? The Royal, the Royal Theater in, mm -hmm. in England. Mm -hmm. I think that's correct. Okay. Maybe the National Theater. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but we saw a Shakespeare play there. So that's where I was trying to, it's, whichever one is the big one, but we saw that and that was great. And that was fantastic. And it was with people that you would expect. But then the next assignment was to see something East London. I remember we had to take uh, a couple of tubes and a couple of buses in order to get there. And it was this two man show. And it was about like a war was coming and this guy was in a barber chair and they were talking about like the history of the world and what was happening. And it was very intense and so good. And I remember it was a, it was a pay what you can, um, type of theater and everybody like hung around afterwards and we're talking, discussing, and I felt more alive going to see that show from an artistic perspective than seeing a lot of the stuff on the West end. Not that it wasn't good, but I just felt it, it was, it had a lot of, um, rawness, you know, there were, there was a lot of authenticity that, that invited people into the conversation. I guess maybe that's really what I'm looking at is I, I love and appreciate art that's inviting me into that conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I think that's, that's really important, especially in the UK because London has become quite a difficult place to live um, in terms of house prices and the competition yeah. there is so great. And, you know, England's a small place. You, you're never more than, I mean, we're only three hours on the train, you know, but, 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 I mean, it's like, I mean, you'll know because you lived here, but the accent, for example, it changes about 20 times between here and there. And it, every place feels like its own little universe, you know, and, and that, I think that's like a really good thing. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think sort of living outside of the capital or outside of these kind of like major hubs, it's possible now, you know, you have Instagram and social media, all sorts, you know what I mean? Like the world's become much less kind of focused on these centers. And, and you can get voices, voices from further afield, which I think is only a, a positive thing, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and voices. Yeah. And it's really great. You know, being in the United States, we're used to, it's so, I mean, I'm in Texas and just in Texas, I mean, you say like three or four hours and you've got like Austin, right. Which is the, the big artistic capital here in, in Texas. And, but I mean, but in that, I think you get a lot of this type of art that you're talking about in communities um, in different pockets, whether that's West United in the West, like Arizona, New Mexico, uh, even Colorado. And then you've got like, obviously around New York, although even New York city is becoming a lot more, it's like London in a lot of respects. Um, and then, you know, you've got California and you've got, you've got these different areas where you have, you can find this authenticity and then, um, and use it to make, not just great art, but have something to say about society, but it, but it can be difficult to, to, to find it at times. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting, the, the comparison between kind of wide open spaces and, and a lot in a little, like you're talking about with the, the different pockets of the communities. Um, but I'd love to talk about your, your latest work. I know um, this episode is going to come out here afterwards, but we're recording on nine 11 and, and there's a lot, of there's a lot there. I mean, just thinking about 
where I was when I heard the news of 9-11, and, and I'm sure everybody remembers that as well. But I would love for you to talk about, um, I'm forgetting the name of the piece, but I, I know you know what I'm talking about, the piece that, that's talking about the kind of almost level of complacency we as a society had between, um, between what was it? Um, it was 9-11 and what was the, was it? The fall the, of the, the Berlin the Wall. Berlin really. Wall, that's right. So yeah, the end of the, the, end of the Cold War and the start that's right. of the, so that period the, of time the, in the second, well, the Iraq War, you know, I mean, yes. the 90s, like being a period of optimism, really. Right. You know, like I think we were riding a wave along with you guys, um, film, television, you know, like like adverts and all the, all these brands popping up. You know, it was real. Like okay. we're heading into this golden age, you know, and everything's going to be fine. And then, right. I mean, I was born so I was born in 1990, so I saw that whole decade from you know grew to you know to 10 years old, and then right. I was 11. I just turned 11, and I'd started started. Um, secondary school so high you know high school and um yeah there was the attacks on the twin towers and i feel, I feel it was the kind of the end of my childhood and maybe the end of you know this kind of sense of innocence or optimism this kind of right. you know this kind of really um i don't know how would you say it like like a kind of well you know an, op an optimism basically it, I, like yeah it almost it almost felt like from from an American perspective or a Yank perspective, if you will, um, it really felt that we were almost untouchable with regards to um, a society and as a culture. It felt like you know totally. we, we were, were riding the crest of a wave. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is why I think we were there with you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. We were, exactly. I mean, we definitely felt like. I mean, let me put it. This, I mean, I was I was young. I was ten in the nineties, but. Definitely. I mean, we, I went to, we went to Florida on holiday to Disneyland, Disney world when <laughs> right. I was eight, I think. So 98, you know, so I like was there right. in the middle of all this, all this kind of like, we had like Dunkin' Donuts and Papa yeah. John's and we'd never seen it before. <laughs> and it was like, wow, this can be the world. You know, this is like right. this kind of pro consumerist capitalist, you know, some kind of a utopia, which uh, right. we can be part of as well as you guys. Um, and I think that for me, having grown up in that, that's definitely informed the way that I see the world because it felt like maybe after the, after the, you know, September the 11th attacks, that was, it was downhill from there, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, where Truthfully. are we now? I mean, a few years yeah. later we had, I mean, 2006 was the recession, the crash and, you know, and it's yeah. all been a yeah. bit, a bit kind of up in the air. I mean, may, maybe this is a bit misguided. I, I often think like, I mean, I was a kid, right? So maybe I was just in that bubble, you know, that 90, you know, in the nineties, maybe I was yeah. in this bubble, this, I was living at home in, in Sherwood forest, you know, beautiful right. countryside, you know, very rural, um, uh, you know, parents, two parents looked after, go to school, everything's fine. Right. And then kind of, I feel like there's this kind of parallel between adulthood and the dawn of the 21st century, you know, really right. go hand in hand. And for me, like I, I kind of, try to address that in my work it's quite important it feels like a really important um a turning point you know right the change the change in everything you know travel kind yeah. of international relations the news the news changed didn't it around that time um, right it was more this kind of rolling kind of constant stream of 24-hour news you know which was kind of invented in the late 90s and which really took hold in the start of yep. the 2000s and it was around this kind of time it's like you say I, I remember being in school and being told that there'd been this terrorist attack 
and um, it didn't really mean that much to me. You know, I, I, I mean, I was only 11 years old. I'd only just turned 11 and didn't really know. I mean, I knew New York, but I didn't know, I didn't really know the buildings. Um, right. You know, as an English person, I wasn't super aware of what it, what it was uh, or what it, what it meant. But I, I know that afterwards it had, you know, there was a feel, there was a, a chill in the air, you know. Yeah. After that point. It, it was, I remember it was very, um, sobering, I think is the best word for it in that it was a wake up call to the, these kinds of things can happen and they can happen to anybody and they can happen at any time. And I just remember when I heard about it, I didn't quite know what the world trade center was, the twin towers. I didn't quite get it. I just knew that a plane had flown into build it. And I still remember watching the, watching the, the replay of the plane going into the first building and going that look like that can't be re like what am i watching you know it's one of those things where it's like your eyes are taken in but your brain is not processing what it's seen yeah absolutely you know? that's really interesting yeah 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 and then you know and then hearing that there was a third plane that was heading towards the uh was it the white house that got taken down in pennsylvania i believe yeah um, that's it, isn't it yeah yeah, 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 and it was just it was it was it was insane. It was all yeah, crazy, man. and it, yeah, 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 yeah. And it definitely changed the the landscape and the the temperature, I guess we'd say, of of the country. Yeah, and but that's and, quite interesting. Yeah, sorry, go on. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say, and so, and then you've got that, you know, nineteen years later, and we've got a, a crazy election happening in a couple of months where <laughs> where yeah, it's yeah, just, I've been I following mean, it closely. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, insane. Man. It, this is, this is, this is, I gotta be careful how I say this, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but this is, I feel like when you have a, a major event like 9-11 and you don't, when you have an event and you allow people to not, you don't rally around each other and you don't lift each other up and you don't work hard for everybody and you all build each other up and you don't have that sense of community you end up with kind of where we're at now. And one of the th one of the things that we did do is we did work hard, at least in the short term, on building each other up, being a community. And I remember it was very, we're loving each other, we're working hard together. And then at some point, you know, we started distrusting each other from trusting everybody, working hard to distrusting. And then it just has built over time. And there's a lot of good science and data to back that up and explanations for personalities. And then, but I mean, you just get a, you get a situation where it's like our country is m the most divisive I feel that it's ever been. And I've listened to other people back that up with actual facts and figures, but we're the most divisive we've ever been. And it's, there's the, the sense of community that I remember feeling like in the nineties before this happened. And then even in the immediate after aftermath aftermath of 9-11 feeling it i don't feel that anymore and it's it's sad um truthfully but i'd love to but i'd love to get your perspective on burn the furniture to heat the house that's what i was trying to remember the name of your ex the, the work the, 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 yes. the, ex the exhibition was called exhibition. that but the, yes. yeah there was a, a piece called that too in the show right. um yeah i mean that was that was a focus on um yeah i mean it started with this this point of the 90s you know and being right. this time of optimism and the kind of steady uh, kind of degradation of this kind of optimism from this high this real high through the 2000s and the 2010s you know um to this point where 
I mean, we're in a really precarious situation, you know, I mean, I don't know if we're on the edge of a precipice or where we are, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, but it was, it, the, the, yeah, I mean, the, the title came from this, um, well, there's a, there's an English film called Billy Elliot, you might be familiar with about a yes ballet, ballet dancer. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's quite actually interesting because that film is based in the northeast of England. So ex-coal right. mining areas and yep. shipbuilding yep. towns, you know, really in ex-industrial centers. Yeah, where in the 80s, um, these all the coal mines were shut. Um, so obviously you have these areas which are there for um, production and the, the, they take away this kind of reason for the, the, the people to be there and the houses to be there and also, and, and, and the people are left with very little. And then the film is about this, this young kid finding ballet, isn't it? And his family aren't very happy with this, um, right. being quite traditional kind of working class parents. Anyway, in that film, they smash up the, the piano. I don't know if you remember, they smash up the, 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 the mum the of the kid. She like dies when he's young. And then yes. they end up smashing up the piano to burn for wood for the fire to keep them warm. That's right. That's right. They were and the they were on. I don't mean to get in the weeds on the movie, but if I recall correctly, the workers were on strike, and the dad broke the strike because he was trying to help support his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in his ventures, right? That's quite an interesting. That has a kind of. Um, it's quite close to my. Uh, heart because that was I grew up in a coal mining area and my my parents were my grandparents were part of that um, strike you know like the, 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 the current prime minister at the time Margaret Thatcher yeah 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 she she you yeah. know she basically nationalized um, privatized everything and, and sold off all these things and closed all the coal mines and left a lot of these areas in in um, the Midlands of England and the north of England which are the poorer kind of areas. Um, just to rot basically That's you know right. sort it, sort it out yourselves and um yeah so that's the kind of, that's the kind of landscape that i grew up in in the midlands near nottingham uh, which is the kind of one of these empty factories um these kind of structures that used to be for a thing you know that used to be really useful and a, right. a real focus of the community but have just been their shelves you know left empty and only you know you can only guess at what for me you can only guess at what they used to be for whereas they used to give my you know my grandparents and my parents are living you know this kind of like right. a reason for being yeah so um the title kind of came from that that scene in the film where they smash up the the piano which is his dead mother's piano you know and he's heartbroken and it's this kind of i'm kind of interested in this idea that we're sort of having to revert back to more of an improvised way of living you know we 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 went through you know through the the 50s the 60s the 70s the 80s the 90s where we were kind of laid out this kind of model of of, right. of existence you know in society this whole get a job get a mortgage have kids do everything like this and right. how it's just kind of broken apart and 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 now you know you have the choice and but also there's the need to kind of take things apart and put them back together again in your own your own way you know and yes. i think that this kind of has parallels in everything like in employment and in technology you know and in like well technology is an interesting one to me because i find it it's this kind of like improvised way of living which i find all these things around us like the laptop i'm looking at now and my phone 
my car, you know, I couldn't fix them if I wanted to, you know what I mean? Like if they right, broke, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be able to do anything. I have no idea what this thing is. I'm holding right. up my phone right now. <laughs> right. You know, it's like this black rectangle, which like right. is so central to my life. But if I took it apart, it'd just be all little bits of metal and silicon right. and who knows what. And I think it's that kind of fascination. We live in this world that we can never understand. Do you know what I mean? But every yeah. element of it like so closely governs our reality and our the way that we react with the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so that, that was the kind of the burn the furniture to heat the house was the kind of like, we're going to have to smash everything up just to stay yeah. warm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Basically, basically, I mean, hopefully yeah. not. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be too negative. Because no, no, no. <laughs> my, you know, I, yeah. I'm not a total pessimist. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I, I take everything with quite a pinch of salt, you know, like I think a lot of my works, if you look at them, they're, they're, they're funny I think you yeah. know you know I, I think yeah. that they take the, this thing with a kind of um, there's a kind of dry dark humor um, there which yeah. I think is, is quite important for me I'm not I'm not a very very serious person despite the fact that we've just been talking about quite serious right. things uh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. I, you know I think it's important like I, to lighten the mood you know you've got a laugh you've got a laugh you've got a laugh at yourself and the situation yeah. and um the things that we take seriously and people who take themselves too seriously right and maybe i don't know i mean this is something that i'm not proud of a lot of things about being english <laughs> or where i'm from <laughs> but one thing i am proud of is our sense of humor you know and i think that it's uh, i think that we have that one thing you know that well, and da david bowie as well right, <laughs> so we right. proud of him um, <laughs> You also have one World Cup, which is one more than we have. So yeah, sure. I'm <laughs> well, men's World Cup, I should say. Right. Men's World Cup, which everyone, every time there's a football World Cup, um, everyone goes on about like it's some kind of huge, important thing that we won it. I mean, what? 50, 50 more fifty-four years ago. It almost feels like it almost feels like here we've got, especially in Texas, American football is so huge, and so you've got um, these guys that want to. Texas state championship back in like the eighties wearing their letter jackets and their, uh, their rings and saying like, well, I want a championship be like, right. But now you're, um, you're unemployed and you're not doing anything at all. It's kind of, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like this whole thing in terms of politics where there's a populism and there's a kind of like, sorry, I can hear my son shouting at the moment. It's okay. it's, it's okay. and I can hear him shouting, daddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know there's, there's this there's this kind of like things were better do you know what i mean like things yeah. used to be better no they didn't no they didn't right. they've never been they've never been better they were terrible <laughs> you know in the 20s and the 30s there was a great depression and there was no health care i mean we had health care privatized in the 50s or was it the 50s or the late 40s whenever you know whenever it was yeah. before that people would just die you know in poverty yeah. and you have like my parents are particularly bad for it they're quite traditional and it, it, they do my head in basically I, we have arguments <laughs> um but they they have this this idea that that, that that things need to go back to this way and it is kind of like what you're saying there about this american football team and and with england when they won the world cup you know in the late 60s uh you know those were the days that kind of attitude. you know you know but but kind of speaking on that and this is just a good segue i mean that's truthfully people that is the kind of stuff that resonates with folks i mean if you think about like 
trying my best not to put my political leanings into this conversation, but it's not, it's not working so far. But if you have like a slogan, like make America great again in 2016, that's what people want. Or, or even taking a step further and Barack Obama saying hope and change. Um, that's a positive, that's a positive slogan. Right. And like, no, Trump is not a positive person, but his slogan of like, you know, his slogan that he was talking to folks about was, we used to be great. We can be again. And it's up to you, the voter, to make it happen. And then he's speaking right to the older traditionalist Americans who are like, yeah, it did used to be the good old days. And I want the good old days again. Not not taking a second to qualify what that statement means, not taking a second to talk about who it excludes, none of that. And so you know, that's something that taps into folks. And so what you have, what one has to do, I think Obama is actually a good example of that within 08 is to say, we've tried this previous way of existing. Let's hope for a better way and not say like things are awful. We need to change it because nobody responds to, to negative. Nobody is motivated to action based off of entirely negativism. Even the most pessimistic folks that I know get motivated to change something with a sliver of, of positive, of like optimism. If there's a little bit of a silver lining, there's a little bit of uh this can be better in this way. That's where the motivation comes from. If it's all negative all the time, drown, drowning you down, it's going to weigh you down and you're not going to feel motivated. At least that's my, my opinion and my perspective. And so I think if, if folks don't like the way that the United States of America is, in other countries as well, then you need to think about what can be better and how you, the individual, can have a hand in the collective movement of the country. And I think that's what you have to focus on. But yeah, but no, speaking speaking to that point about the good old days, that's what it that's what it reminds me of. Every time I hear someone talk about the good old days and, you know, different different ways of existing, it's all I will say this. It's always the same type of people um, that are telling me this. Um, it's rarely ever um, individuals of color or individuals who are of sexual different sexual orientations, you know. And it's it's typically folks that look and sound like me, um, and have uh, same experiences. And so, and so, of course, like if that's you know, if things have always been good for you and, and your ancestors, of course, you would want to have things stay the same. And I think we have to realize that everybody deserves the opportunity to make the most of their life. And that's where that's where we have to be motivated to change. And and it takes a lot. And is I, I am not up to date on my British politics. I will apologize. But is Boris Johnson still the prime minister? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's. Um... <laughs> He was the mayor of London when I was there. And yeah, I thought, was he? This guy's yeah, I mean, got an I mean, elected official. He's a, he, he's an unelected prime minister. That's um, right. Because of That's everything right. that happened with Brexit, basically That's since right. Brexit, <laughs> which That's was right. an, is 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 a similar is it's a similar thing to your the Make America Great Again. It's it's, right. it's uh, you know it's uh, let's take back control. It was their kind of. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yes, let's get it back to how it used to be. They use all this kind of wartime rhetoric. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? So they try and drum yes. up like there is an enemy. Uh, right. Us versus they, Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the war was meant to be our golden, uh, you know, our, our hour of triumph, you know, which is right. just obviously completely false. But like, um, right. 
uh, yeah, so yeah, so basically, yeah, he's the prime minister, um, unfortunately, and we have <laughs> it just all kind of it kind of it was like a domino effect because the, yeah. um, we voted to leave the EU. Yep, a terrible decision. Just add that in, um, and then David Cameron quit, and then Theresa right. May was was kind of like thrust in, you know, like right. again unelected, and then she couldn't. Basically, no one can figure out how to do Brexit. You know, there's no, there's yeah. no, there's no map, there's no model, there's no right, right way of doing it because it's a crazy idea that doesn't make sense. We're basically cutting off all our ties with our closest neighbours. Yeah. And um, so, so then, so then we get to the point where Theresa May stands down, and now we have Boris Johnson and the Conservative government. And uh, yeah, yeah, here we are. I mean, I mean, I mean, and that's what you have here as well. Is like you have the United States leaving the World Health Organization most recently, but prior to that was the Paris Peace Treaty and the um, oh, is the Paris? I forget if the Paris Peace Treaty is the one with the um, um, Green Emission uh, Clean Energy Act, but but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. So, I mean, you know, we're leaving all of this because we're just because we're we're trying. You know, it's we're cutting off ties to allies. Um, we're we're not improving foreign relations and foreign to the United States, I should say. And then we're also not setting ourselves up in a good way to get help when we need it. I mean, the. COVID-19 coronavirus, I mean, that's something that has been unprecedented with regards to how it's impacted the entire globe. And then, and you have the fact that the United States did not have a high population of infected individuals, and then it rapidly grew because of mismanagement of the entire situation. And then, I mean, there's even, I mean, reports that came out, I think it was yesterday about the president talking about intentionally downplaying it because he didn't want to cause a panic. And I mean, mm, those are yeah, right. Oh, he did it on those, purpose then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's, um, and that's direct quotes from, from the president as well. Um, and so, I mean, but you just, so I say all that to say it, it boggles my mind from a political standpoint, why you would intentionally want to cut yourself off from your neighbors, your allies, folks that you rely on to do business with. I mean, if I'm in my job and I'm just like, no, I'm not going to work with any of these people again, ever again. It's like, I wouldn't be able to function. I mean, it, you've, you've got to be able to rely on folks. And it's just, there seems to be no, no, um, no motivation to have positive, diplomatic relations where we can disagree on how to get something done, but we can come together on a consensus that something needs to be done and we yeah, will yeah, discuss yeah. the best way to do that. Sure. You know, it just seems like it's, no, it's my way or nothing. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. can be tough. Yeah, totally. But what, um, what has been, you know, we've, <laughs> Talks a lot about politics. I can try and veer away from it. It's just such a huge thing. It's quite interesting. Sorry, I'll say just it's interesting to speak to an American person because yeah. um, you know I don't I don't speak to American people, and there's a lot going on in your country and yeah. our country, you know. And it's right. quite it's quite interesting to get someone's take on it. Um, yeah. 
so yeah but yeah anyway <laughs> no i really appreciate it um it's just it's funny the previous episode to this um that folks if you're listening to this episode as soon as it comes out the previous week's episode was uh with grace who's the head of the league of women voters texas um and she talked about the importance of democracy and voting and and collective activism and so it's just interesting we've got these back to back um mm. if you're listening to this mm. but um <laughs> it's turning but, into a political podcast right <laughs> <laughs> someone's gonna write in say the d stands for democrat and i'm gonna say no 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 but yeah dads yeah of course right but i'd love to know um <laughs> what as we um maybe start wrapping up here in just a little bit i'd love to know what have been um so two two questions so one what has been a p an exhibition that you've been particularly proud of other than the one we just spoke about and then two would be what is kind of on the horizon for you are you currently working on something mm, okay um the well the, i remember when I, in 2015 i graduated from university and um i had an exhibition straight away which was in newcastle and it was at one of the not bigger galleries but kind of cooler galleries here and i was sort of straight out of uni so i was you know young and bright eyed and kind of you know and yeah it was just really fun to have an exhibition there and um i was given an opportunity to kind of just do what i wanted and at that time i was full of confidence and um you know like i was i was i was going to do whatever i wanted and you know i would not care if people did not like it basically which is something yeah. that's kind of sapped away slightly over the years as i become slightly more self confident uh, self conscious but um yeah no i made a piece of work which was kind of like an elaborate machine that was used to to juice uh, to to essentially like a juicer you know like an orange juicer yeah 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 you know you get those machines in the shops where you, if you go and you, it kind of has the oranges and it puts them in a thing and it goes you know right. juices them so it was like a machine to do this but it was a um a cement mixer you know a big cement oh, mixer yeah, yeah, yeah. like like you'd get on a building site Right. Uh, att attached to a um uh like a workout bench thing you know with like you know like <laughs> yeah. a, i don't really know what they're called it's, it's like a back it's like a it's like a back yeah, machine right yeah, this kind of the, thing the, where the, you, you pull pull a bar pull down it, and the, the weights lift be behind you you yes. sit on a seat um right. it kind of i mean it's all about toxic masculinity this it was kind of this intense yeah. so that so the kind of the weights kind of crushed these oranges and the weights that moved up and down and it made this kind yeah. of pumping, boof, 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 you know, kind of noise, quite intense, quite um, visceral and maybe yeah. a little bit offensive to quite a few people. But um, I say I was kind of in that, <laughs> I was in that headspace, you know, where I was right. young, young. And, and, um, and the juice kind of ran down and there was a paddling pool underneath the weight machine thing. So oh, it was this cool. kind of grotesque kind of machine in the middle of the room. And it was quite a, like a sort of fairly refined exhibition. And in the middle of the room, there was just this machine that was kind of making a racket. And I remember these, a couple of women were wearing white shirts and they got absolutely covered. They got splattered with orange juice and they got, the gallery like got complained to, you know, like the, um, yeah, they, they weren't very happy about that. And so I was just kind of laughing about it outside. I found the whole thing quite hilarious. Right. But, um, I feel like maybe I've, I don't know. Maybe I've grown up since then, or maybe I've, I don't really know. <laughs> so, something's changed, but I'd right. quite like to. I mean, maybe that brings me on to my next thing: is that I'd quite like to um, 
you know, bringing a bit of that back into my work in terms of what's on the horizon. Because, I mean, since Casper was born, which was two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I've kind of, I've not had a hiatus from artwork, but I've definitely slowed down. You know, I, I spend less time in the studio. We, a lot, so a lot of my work would be made from spending time in the studio and just mulling things over and testing things, trying to build these kind of crazy machines and maybe failing or finding a new way of doing it by accident, you know, lots of different kind of all these kind of processes that would come in. But I think this is for me about finding the balance between being a parent and being an artist is while the process of being an artist and the process of making artwork is really requires you to spend a lot of time with the work do you know what I mean and it's kind of it's a difficult thing to just plan on paper and then produce and it'd be good you know like with sculpture and painting as well I imagine you need you need to be with the with the work you know and 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 to kind of like understand it and give it things and take away from it and and add and you know and um yeah I suppose I suppose it's it's this sort of trying to figure out how much time I, I can spend in the studio because I'll be away from Casper or do you know what I mean? Like, but then yeah, how, yeah. But maybe it's good that I'm in the studio away from him because I'm gr- growing, you know, my career and myself and, and maybe that's right. a good fit, a good thing for him to see, you know, like, so. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? So, so yeah, like, while, while it's important to be there with him and spend time with him, I mean, which I do, it's also important to not, you know, like it, I don't need to be there all the time. And, and, and I can also not feel too guilty about spending a whole day right. in the studio, you know, yeah. which, which might not lead to anything, but you kind of need to be there just in case, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? In case inspiration <laughs> yes. strikes and in case you do something to an object or take a material and manipulate it in a certain way and it responds in a way that you could never, never anticipate on paper do you know what i mean and i think that that a lot of my work my better work has come from these accidents and and i've found that at the i currently spend a lot of time planning and not so much time you know output in the the thing yeah exactly so i think that that's i mean actually it's quite good timing because my partner is just about to start a course at university so she's she's going to be occupied with that and casper is starting a nursery like full-time mm-hmm. um so he's going to be taken care of basically like four days a week so i'm hoping that i can i was saying to roxy who's my partner i was saying earlier i'm gonna i'm gonna really get back into my artwork you know like really yeah. start making again and start producing things and on a much more prolific kind of level because that's that that's what slowed down when i when i was younger and i didn't have a kid i was prolific you know right. i would make work weekly and that's what I want to kind of go back to, I guess. I lo- yeah, I absolutely love discussing the artistic process. You know, I've got, for those who may not know, I've got another po- a music podcast after the encore. And what I find myself doing, well, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. And I think it's possibly because there's a global pandemic, but I'm fascinated with this thought of what will my legacy be? And I keep thinking about making sure I don't have any unfinished projects um, if I can help it, I think sometimes you can't help it and it just is what it is. Um, but when I'm thinking about the different podcast episodes or content, I want to make sure that I am finishing them 
Um, and, and I have, and it is that balance of, I need to spend time with my, I've got two kiddos, a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son and spending, spending time with them. Um, but then also making sure that they're able to see and hear and consume yeah. what I've put out so they can be inspired by it. And then yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've even, I even did most recently, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or not, but I've created a Google drive where with all of my episodes for each podcast I've either hosted or been a guest on categorized. So that way, if something happens to me, they've got this database that they can go and, and listen and, and see the full evolution. And I'm, I'm constantly, and I think this is what I love so much about art in any, any, in any form is I feel that the, the artist is constantly exploring themselves and what the world currently means to them in their output, mm, you know, mm, 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 absolutely. And I, and I feel there's a lot there and whether it's a conversation, whether it's a conversation about music, whether it's putting a machine together, that's crushing oranges or anything in between. I think there's a lot that can be gleaned. And I, and I, that's where I feel that the work, gets done. I feel like when we're shouting at each other, we're dividing just to bring it back around. Work's not getting done. We're not improving things for the better. But when we're able to, you know, under the guise of appreciating art, listen to a conversation, go see an exhibit, go listen to something, whatever, that's where you start seeing these, I feel, shifts into a more communal state. That's that's what that's how I choose to interpret it. And I feel like that's what we can all kind of take away, you know? Mm, totally yeah man and i think it's important like what you were saying about leaving like a legacy because right. it just made me think like you know i want to be there when casper's tiny and with him and experiencing that but i think he's going to really get something from when he gets a bit older you know he's going to have been to exhibitions that i've put on you know like when when he was very little you know he, he came to an exhibition that i had a sculpture in and he was playing with the sculpture and touching it and trying to move it around it was the um burn the fern it was the um i don't know if you saw the picture of the one that was like a, it was actually about the jfk assassination and it was the um the kind of like garden trolley thing with the leaves on it and there's some bullets on it oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right kind of like a portable grassy knoll essentially it's yeah kind of sideways look at, which um, i live in dallas so that's the yeah bird exactly near dallas, i thought so like, talk about that <laughs> yes. that's good yeah 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 that's kind of I, um you know, and he was trying to pull this thing around. And I just thought, you know what, like I've spent some time away from him to make this thing. And I've spent some money, which maybe would have been better put to use uh, bills or clothes for him. You know, you know, this kind of thing. Right. Maybe, oh, I'm guilty about this, feel a little bit bad. But then you see him with this thing and this photographs with him with this thing. And he's going to grow up and think, well, my dad made that sculpture, you know, like how, right. well, hopefully how cool is that? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. because I, I grew up with, I mean, my parents, like they are amazing, but I, you know, I never saw them do what they love to do. You know, I never saw them right. yes. have, have kind of interests even though um, they weren't kind of, you know, em emotional kind of people. And, and, and I think that like that for him to have that, I think it, it, it is worth this like sacrifice if it is a sacrifice. Yeah, no, absolutely. This has been absolutely great. We're going to transition into the last segment of the show real quick. And it is the uh, dad joke of the week. So it's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I can't hear my audience. I can only hear the guest. So it works out. Um, so, uh, but I always like to put the guest on the spot. Joe, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up first? Oh my God. It's like really annoying because I do, I follow, I follow that neat dad on uh, Instagram. Oh yes. Yes. That. So I like see them all the time. But I, might, I'm, I don't remember them. 
<laughs> I haven't quite looked, but I mean, I mean, what's yours, man? All right, so I've got I've got three. I've got two that are British themed, and then I've got um, one that my kiddo made up the other night that I I'm gonna share. Um, so I'll go ahead and share the kiddo one first. So Joe, um, what do you call a hyena when it leaves the room? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Byena. Oh man, I knew that. <laughs> that just came to me just before you right, said, right. "Yeah, yeah, yeah." That makes a lot of sense. That makes All a right. lot of sense. Very good. Let me Very see. Good. Let me see. What? Um. What was the other? Oh, here we go. Um. Oh, I just lost it. Um. Oh, here we go. Uh, Joe, why do British people pronounce it as British? Um, I'm not sure. Go on. Because uh, they drank all the tea. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually got a cup of tea here. That's right. <laughs> there, there it is. There yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the one I'll thing. Play it up to the stereotype. Yeah. Right. That's one <laughs> of the things I missed miss about being in in England yeah. is the yeah. tea time. I really came to appreciate oh, it as a nice great break yeah, in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've already I've had three of those today. So. <laughs> All right. There was um. Oh, I had another one. Oh, here we go. Um. <laughs> Joe, I got to tell you, I um, I heard, and this one, um, I got to say, I heard that uh, you folks had a very, are having a very special cr uh, Brexit Christmas dinner this year. It's like regular Christmas dinner, but without the Brussels. Right. <laughs> I mean, I get it. <laughs> right, it's bad. I'm it's laughing. Bad. I'm, I think I'm right. laughing because I understand the joke. Not so. Right. It's <laughs> not good. Part, but, no, right. I understand. <laughs> Anyways, those were all of mine. Um, but Joe, Very if good. people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the mm -hmm. best way for them to do that? Um, my Instagram is joeshaw90. At joeshaw90. And... Um, my website is joseph-shaw.com and those are probably the best ways. Perfect. I don't Thanks. have Twitter. Right. No, that's all good. Thanks so much for coming on. We do need a hashtag for the episode and I wrote down a hashtag that really resonated with me with something you said. So I wanted to get your opinion. Uh, hashtag improvised living. Yeah. Sounds How do you feel good. about that? All right, cool. Yeah, man. I think that's the focus of my work at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, Joe, thanks again so much for coming on. I look forward to bringing you back on the show. And uh, listeners, they'll be back next week with another great episode. But until then, hashtag improvised living and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.